Awesome. Great. Perfect. Thanks so much, John. I really appreciate your time. No uh, problem. Any of your friend of Shirelli's? Yeah. Yes. Wait a second. How did you? How did you know this? Our guys, a little bird whispered in my ear. So. <laughs> so Shirali as as well as uh as uh, Richard, Richard Petty. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I spoke, I, I met Shirali, oh, I don't know, six, seven, eight years ago, I think. And uh-huh. uh, yeah, so we've, we've kept in touch. Uh, he came on my podcast and then I reached out, I reached out to both of them uh, before this and say, hey, any, any, any interesting stories you can share? <laughs> okay, fire away. Well, well, let's, I'll, I'll, I'll get to them a little bit, sure. uh, a, a little bit later, but um Congrats on the book, first of all. Thank you. Yeah, you're. Um, why? Why write a, a, a? I guess we could call it a memoir. Would you call it a memoir? Um, not a hundred percent. Because uh, I, I mean, it's episodic. It's not really. Yeah, that's right. You know, then this happened. Then this happened. Then this happened. Uh, but, uh, and, and I think I wanted to talk as much about the change in our business yeah. as I did about the change for me. Mm-hmm. So from that perspective, it's, it, there, there's, there's part of it in there. That's a, a memoir, but not, not completely. Yeah. Why, why was now the right time to, to have this book? out? Well, you know, that's a, you know, that's, that's a good question because I'm not sure there is a perfect time, mm-hmm. although, um, I mean, I had been asked four or five times before to do it and refused okay. uh, because it was too much work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Writing's hard. Writing, uh, writing is different than the world that I live in, yeah. which is much more uh, verbal, uh, much more tactile and much more live. You know, you, you, sure. you know, in the business that I'm in, whether it's radio or TV or podcasting, you do it once and it's goes into the ether books don't go into the ether uh so you know i'll be reminded of things i've said in this book for years to come forever <laughs> yeah yeah um so it, it just so happened that the timing was that i wasn't working as diligently and as long um at the time that the publisher approached me to say would you consider doing it mm-hmm and I didn't think it would take as long as it did. And then the pandemic hit. And so then I had a lot of time in my hand okay. uh, to, uh, to sit down and spend days and weeks and months on it. And in many ways, the two, you know, the, the podcast I do with Bob McCowan and this book kept me focused during uh, a time when a lot of people weren't focused yeah so i i, I stayed busy during the pandemic and okay. that was a really good thing i had a reason to get out of bed in the morning uh, um and you know or not just sit in front of the television all day so that that was the timing in the end was really really good yeah because i had time to write it the the finished product um is is this the the stories are these the stories you you knew you wanted to tell going in or was, was there a different book going in than what we have today 
Yeah, Simon is used to do a really good job of uh, a saying, okay, if we're going to do this, if we're going to have this partnership, yeah, um, let's let's start with where we think where they think we should be and where I think we should be. Um, so I I did a I did a brief outline of twenty chapters yeah. that I thought were going to be interesting for readers, people who are, you know, TV nerds, hockey nerds that would enjoy uh, some stories. Yeah. Uh, and they, they probably pushed back only on two or three. Okay. So from the beginning, the outline was pretty close to what was originally contemplated. Uh, the editor I worked with is a guy named Justin Stoller, outstanding in trying to make sure I stay focused on the stories that I'd promised to deliver. Yeah. And so that was really good for me. Um, he made it very easy to have dialogue. And what he also did was he wanted, he made sure that I didn't speak uh, over people's head about the television industry or the hockey industry. Uh, so I would say something and he would say, well, you're going to have to explain that. Too so much inside would, baseball type that would thing. Push me back to, that would push me back to the keyboard okay. um, and take a couple of more pages to explain how, you know, television rights and, and the bidding process for rights and a bit of the, you know, the behind the scenes issues of the labor strike, labor strike between uh, the, the, the players association the league. He was, he was really very good about it. Yeah. Um, I've, I've read a number of hockey books over the, over the past years. Uh, Sammy Jo Small uh, has written a book about her time with uh, uh, the women's national team. Yeah. Um, uh, Harna Ryan Singh uh, yeah. has written a book and that was very insightful, uh, you know, to hear his perspective of, of what hockey meant to him and his family. Uh, and even Nick Kiprios, I was, I was shocked at Nick, Nick Kiprios's book, because what I read in there, I go, this, this is like a different person that I'm used to seeing, you know, yeah. on, uh, on TV at that time. And, and now he's back, back in radio and reading your book. I want to, I need to thank you for, for one of your chapters, or maybe it's, it's stories that, that, that are in a couple of your chapters about Don Cherry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because I, I have a, or I had a, a perspective of who I thought Don Cherry was only based on, you know, the five minutes he would ever show up on, on, uh, on coach's corner, uh, mm-hmm. every Saturday night. And obviously we know, you know, the, the things that he had said, uh, that one year around, um, uh, around remembrance day, uh, and poppies. And I had a chance to talk to Hunter Ryan Singh, uh, about those comments. Um, but reading your your stories on, on who Don Cherry is to you, sort of the, the the man that we don't see and and we don't know because all we know is five minutes a week. Um, so I want to thank you, uh, you know, for that. Uh, and you know, I'm, I'm sure that other people that are fans of hockey reading your book would go, I, I never knew this about uh, yeah. ab- ab- about the man. <clears throat> Why was it important for yeah, go ahead, sir. Television is uh is two dimensional. Yeah. You know, it's not three dimensional like real people. Mm-hmm. Um and and Don uh, Don's a real person. Yeah. Don has does have real feelings. He he 
the bravado you used to see on Saturday nights or you used to listen to on the radio show with Brian Williams. That's right. Um, you know, that was, that was a bit of a, a bit of an act because when you get in this business, you, you have to simplify and in order to try to communicate and entertain and yeah. you end up starting to deliver to the viewer or the listener, what the viewer and listener wants to hear too. So mm. you, you play, a, you, 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 you play a role. Yeah. You're not a person, you play a role and that's so, and, and for, more than 30 years it was a really good role for don yeah but there are ups upsides and downsides of those types of things too um you know he's listen don cherry is not racist mm -hmm. he's not um but i can see how pe people would be upset with things he said yeah and and you know i used to get upset with you know things he said but um, you you talk about it, you get over it. It's easier when you can deal with the person one on one as opposed to on social media. Yeah. You know, and that's that's the unfortunate part of what Don went through, and what you know the the reason that I'm sure Rogers pushed back and said, "No, here if you don't apologize, we we can't have you on the air anymore." So yeah, it's. Uh, you know, Don's at a good place in his life now too, and uh, I, I and I'm I'm actually happy for him because I think he now understands there's more to life than seven minutes on Saturday night, <laughs> and because that was for him that was all consuming. But as a person, you know, I you know I I still love sitting having coffee with Don and talking about things, not necessarily hockey, but about friends and about history and about life and. Uh, he's, he's been very good to me. He's been very yeah. good to my family. And, um, I think, uh, Kareem, one of the things that if, if you, if you read the book from, from beginning to end, loyalty is a very big part of my life. Yes. And yeah. loyalty is important. And there are times, not just in broadcasting, but there are times in life right now that we, we seem to have lost a little bit of that loyalty. And that's, that's something that I felt when I did write the book uh, um, that I had to, I had to, you know, not defend Don, but explain a little bit of what my friendship with Don is all about and, and still is to this day. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you're, you're honest as, as well in there, you know, you, you, you say, you, you know, you tell the stories of, of what Don is, has, has, has meant to you and your family. Uh, mm -hmm. But then you also say, Hey, yeah, you know, yeah, maybe what he said shouldn't, you know, the times are, are, are different today than they were 30 40 50 years ago um and maybe you shouldn't have said that so you know i i think your your even your honesty came out you know you weren't sort of a you know a an apologist sort of speak no it was so so and this is something that people laugh at me you know we have in our industry and in in the world we have we have become so polarized yeah yeah you know there's a black and a white well, you know what? There's only 5% black and there's 5% white and there's 90% gray. <laughs> there's middle, and I, yeah. And I choose, I choose, you know, publicly, privately to live in the 90% of gray. Yeah. You know, with the, you know, when somebody has a really bombastic opinion, you can say, well, I can understand that. But have you, th have you contemplated this? There yeah. is another side to every story. Uh, and and I think it's important for people to try to understand. I think I'm in the minority now. 
Ah. Uh, but I think it's important for people to try out to understand that there is, you know, uh, you know, other factors that go into when it, the decisions made. And I, I really learned that more than anything, Kareem, when I worked at the National Hockey League. Okay. Uh, because, you know, from the outside, you can look at, you know, what Gary Bettman does and what hockey teams do and, and say, well, that was stupid. You know? <laughs> uh, or why did he do that? He doesn't like Canada. <laughs> he gets booed uh, all the time. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's just not true. Yeah. Uh, there are, there are, and, and it, 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 it really went home, got home to me because, and this is, he, he actually told me this one day, he said, you've got to understand every time you say something nice about the Toronto Maple Leafs, you've got to say something nice about the Buffalo Sabres because they're, they're the other side of the coin. Yeah. They're the other team, you know, and we have, you do have to learn how to play it down the middle. And, uh, and, and, it, and that has helped me because that's a, in our business, there's a real void of that. Yeah. Um, so that it's easy to go on radio or on TV or the podcast and, and say, well, have you, you know, when somebody says something silly, I say, well, have you, have you thought about this side? And that, you know, that creates conversation and hopefully it's entertaining. Yeah. How, how, you know, how is the podcasting life? How, how similar, how different is it to, to broadcasting? Well, I, I, it, to, to me and in doing it with Bob, it's, it is just like doing the old primetime show. Yeah. You know, we don't rehearse. Um, we don't research. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, we, you know, we, we get on the, we get on the, uh, on the call, you know, five minutes before we start to record. Yeah. And just, and we don't edit, you know, if we make a mistake, we correct ourselves on the air and keep going. Yeah. There's not a, there, it, it is a hundred percent content based. There's not a lot of production value Yeah. in our, uh, in our show. It's five days a week. It's relentless, but it's, but the good thing is it's, 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 you know, you, you start at 11 and you're done at noon or whatever time we record. Yeah. And that's, that's nice. You know, it, it, thinking ahead, trying to figure out what stories, you know, we're, you know, we're, people have a difficult time at times understanding that like, we're not journalists. Sure. We're not, we're not, yeah. Yeah. we're, we're sports broadcasters. We, you know, we're not going to have scoops. Uh, we're going to talk to people that have big stories at times, but uh, you know, our job more is to entertain more than it is to inform. And so we have fun doing it. Yeah. And, and, uh, and we, we have a pretty good chemistry and that Bob is certainly one style of a broadcaster and I kind of fill a void with the other side of the broadcasting. So it's kind of fun. Yes. Similar to what we've just talked about with Don Cherry, you know, people have told me, uh, you know, the same thing about Bob McCowan. I I've had, uh, Mary Ormsby. Uh, I've had the you know pleasure of having her, yep. uh, uh, on my podcast and, and just, I think I asked her, you know, after we stopped recording, you know, is Bob who he is on the radio? And she said the same thing. It was, you know, that's, that's Bob on the radio. That's, that's a character. Mm -hmm. And she, you know, she, he's one of the sweetest men uh, that, that she knows. Um, and, and I'm sure it's, it's similar, you know, in terms of the stories you tell about Don and, 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 and Bob as well. Um, but how, how I, I found it interesting that in your, I, you were, I think, I don't know if you were going back to Sportsnet or your first time at Sportsnet, you said you wanted a certain, certain amount of days uh, that you wanted to be on prime time. Yeah. Why was that important for you? 
because I love radio. Okay. I love radio. Yeah. You know, um, now, does oh Bob God. have a say? Does Bob have a say that you're coming on his show? Or, um, well, I, well, I I was dealing with Nelson Millman at the time. Okay, who was a, who was a good friend, um, and uh, whether Nelson talked to Bob or not, I never really discussed that with either. Okay, you know, all I, right. You know, that my my, you know, when I was approached by the Sportsnet people to come on and do television. Yeah, uh, I had I had I understood the the ins and outs of television better yeah. than most after thirty five years, but I didn't. I had never really been on television. Okay. I, I I had I had to believe it or not, Krim. I had to learn to take my own advice about how to manage my on air look, my style. I had to learn to manage where my hands go, where my eyes go. Uh, I tend to uh, have a conversation. My my lips tend to move when I'm listening to the other person, so I have to watch that. I had to learn how to be on TV. Mm. I'm not sure I've learned yet, uh, but I'm better. Uh, but I, so I had to learn to take my own advice. So that was that was a challenge. But the comfort and and I had to learn to do things to time. Yeah. You know, on television, you might get 30 seconds to explain it. In radio, you might get five minutes. Mm. And I love long form. Yeah. I love sitting and shooting the shit. That's magic. Yeah. And and because then you you can go in 50 directions. And that that's the other magic of the podcast. Is yeah. We, we, we start with one topic and end 50 miles away. Yeah, just that freedom. Because we just because something tweaks and you remember and you know the, the the that whole concept on on the show we do now is is that you know Bob and I have a hundred years of experience in broadcasting and sports between us. Yeah, and that's that really is a that's a huge advantage um, for most people. You know, in you can there are references you can make. Not just about sports, but about broadcasting, because I think our show sometimes is about broadcasting, too. So so that perspective is different than radio and TV. And I wanted the comfort. I wanted the comfort of radio. I always had wanted when I when I when I went to university to get my broadcasting degree, uh, when I applied for jobs across the country the first time around, uh, I wanted radio job. I didn't want to be in TV. Yeah. I wanted a radio job. I wanted the long form, you know, be that conduit at eight o'clock in the morning or five o'clock in the afternoon to be able to sit and tell you stories and why it was going to be fun to talk about sports that day. Nice. Um, I want to talk about uh, uh, Rich, Richard Petty. I reached out to Richard Petty. You know, he yeah. shows up in your book um, and I wanted to, you know, get, get some insights. Um and you talked about it in your book, the, the, the TV that you guys were doing, um, you know, with, uh, what was it with the Le- I guess Leafs TV, Raptors. Well, like we, had two, all- we did, we did two channels. We had, yeah. the, we had a, a hockey channel, Leafs TV, and we had, we had the, uh, the basketball channel, which is now called NBA TV Canada, which at that yeah. time Raptors NBA TV. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you guys were doing a lot, like the most TV production in Canada around sports yes at a certain point we were yeah yeah and it was crazy and so what's like what's the is is it true and maybe i'm I'm getting my channels mixed up but 
you know, is it true that, or, or stories, in fact, that the work that you guys were doing was so important and, and maybe even threatening that Rogers and Bell had to take decisive action and, and you know, purchase properties and stuff like what's the story around around well, all of that? You know, I, it, you know, Richard, Richard deserves a ton of credit for having the vision of getting into the broadcast business for Maple Leaf Sports and Entertainment. Yeah. Um, but he he had no one on staff that could execute the plan. And that's that's how I got to join the company was to basically take his vision and 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 and, and put it on the air. Yeah. Um, you know, Richard, Richard was at TSN um, and knew the broadcast landscape, but wasn't a producer, wasn't a content creator. Yeah. Uh, a great thinker, a great organizer, a very good businessman, but they needed someone to, to create the content. And, and it just so happened I had been let go by hockey night. Uh, and about eight months later, I got, well, maybe six months later, I got hired by Richard and, and the board um, to run the two channels, which was, which was really exciting. So that's the basis of what the plan was. You know, this was at a time when in Canada, we were going from basic cable to digital cable. Yeah. And the government allowed, I think it was 40 channels, 40 brand new channels. I'm not sure many of them exist anymore, but 40 channels on the digital platform huh. uh, to create content. And so they, they applied for two licenses, got them. The, the, the basketball channel was easy because... We had, it was national and there was no other team in Canada because the Grizzlies had folded. Yeah. And so we could put our content from coast to coast. And we also had access to the content from NBA TV, Canada, NBA TV in the United States. So that was, that was an easy one to, to play and to put into process. The leaf one was more difficult because you couldn't, you had to do it only in the leaf region. And we had, we had other than, classic games which we had to negotiate and buy from Molson Brewery we had nothing so we had to create all this content we had to build a station out yeah um and we had to hire staff you know we were close to 50 people at one point uh creating content a day and I mean somebody would say well you just you know you create four hours of content and play it six times a day uh, Richard didn't believe that I didn't believe that and we created a, a, a really good small unit of people that were nimble, yeah. that were creative. Um, and we, we started building content. And for, for a period of almost five years, five and a half years for me, it was, it was so exciting because we were then, we were the, that little insect on the back of the elephant because we had, we didn't have very much money. But we had this great machine called the Toronto Maple Leafs yeah. on the basketball side, the Raptors. We had good relationships with the NHL. And so we just started from scratch and said, what, what do you think will work? And that's where being creative and being open-minded with other people uh, really made a difference for us. And it was, it was at a time when the industry was – it wasn't st the injury in industry wasn't stagnant, but CBC was doing their thing their way. Sure. TSN was doing their thing their way. Sportsnet was in a good rhythm as well. 
so there was no chance for taking chances. And so we took mm. a lot of our chances because we could. Yeah. And it wasn't really, it wasn't going to cost us a lot of money to take chances. And a few things have still stuck. I still, you know, you can watch, you can watch a few of the networks now and still see some remnants of what Leafs TV did and were the first to do, you know, Leafs lunch was a Leafs lunch was a, um, was a Leafs TV invention. Ah. Um, you know, the game in an hour, you know, which is now, you know, whether it's Leafs or any team in the NHL or Raptors in 30, that was a Leafs TV invention. Ah. And there were things like that, that, you know, running press conferences live constantly. That, yeah. that, Leafs TV did that before anybody else. And we did a lot of things. We, we did a lot of things first that now have become, um, demanded and acceptable by the viewers and the listeners yeah. it's like staple, uh, in, in yeah. many markets yeah like jays jays in 30 leafs in 30 it's like constantly yeah. you're, we you're, uh you're we, ours that. was called ours was ours was called game in an hour and it was it was yeah. kind of our brand because it would do you could do leafs in an hour leafs game in an hour raptors game in an hour so it became pretty easy for people to understand yeah absolutely um richard wanted me to let you know it and you probably already know this i, I think you, you talk about it in your book but uh, Batman calls uh, Richard Petty and asks whether he should hire you. And uh, and Petty and Petty says absolutely. Um, so he just wanted to make sure that you knew that he yeah he put in a good word for you. At the, at the, at you know the... I I did not know Richard at all. I had shaken his hand a couple of times when he was running the building when I was running hockey night. So yeah. I did not know Richard at all. Um, prior to us meeting um before i was hired okay and and we are two totally different people but there was a there was a a mutual respect and there was a you know the strengths that richard had uh, certainly were greater in those areas than mine but then he was also very open to having other creative people around to say, yeah, that let's try that. Or, yeah. Hey, listen, you know, once I give you the approval, you do what you need to do. Um, and he, and, and by the way, Richard taught me more about the business of sports, huh. the pure numbers of sports uh, than anybody else I've ever worked for. Wow. That's fantastic. Um, John, listen, you got spunk kid. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you did talk to you talked to a friend of mine, uh, Shirelli Najak, who uh, went on to be the executive producer of Hockey Night and now runs the Olympic program for the CBC. He's one of the most talented broadcast executives we've ever had in our country in any generation at any time. Um, and we 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 have a great friendship. We have a I I you know I, I the respect I have for him as a person and as a uh, as a creative genius in our country wow. uh, is beyond reproach. Um, but we, uh, again, another guy that I'm not like Shirelli Shirelli's <laughs> not like me. And so we worked well together because yeah. um, I would allow him to do what he thought was necessary. And then he would tolerate what I thought was necessary. <laughs> and one of our famous, uh, one of our famous, uh, conversations on a regular basis was the character on the mary tyler moore show which is the news director lou grant yeah um because i'm a little more direct 
than Shirelli is <laughs> and ha ever has been. Uh, my favorite line, and we used to laugh about it, is that when Mary Tyler Moore walked into his office and she said, Mr. Grant, uh, you know, I love it here. I'm having so much fun. And, and, and Lou Grant turned to her and he said, Mary, you've got spunk. Oh, thank you, Mr. Grant. I hate spunk. <laughs> um, and, you know, I was, I wasn't necessarily, I'm not necessarily Lou Grant. Yeah. But I'm, you know, the, you know, the enthusiasm is one thing, but let's get the job done and let's be efficient and let's move on to the next thing. So yes, yeah. that's, that's where, that's kind of where Shirelli and I, uh, we, uh, we met at a, at a place in both of our lives that it, it worked out very well for both of us. That is it. And to, and to think you thought at one point in time, he was your IT guy. Well, yeah, he walked by my office. I just joined, I just joined, uh, <laughs> gone to the CBC to run hockey. Uh, and <laughs> I knew, I, I knew no one, no one. And well, that's not true. I knew a few of the announcers, but I, I didn't know anybody in the office. Um, <laughs> and, uh, uh, I and this is so this is 1990 93 or 94 90, 94 I guess and you know the first thing they do is you know they set you up with your pass and uh, yeah. they set you up with uh, you know you just take pictures and then they give you your phone and they give you your laptop yeah well I don't I don't really think I'd had a laptop in my life at that point and you know, and then they're talking about the, you know, the operating programs and they're talking about, you know, how to log in for email and they're talking about this. And this is really the rudimentary part of yeah. when laptops were just coming into being day to day use. Yeah. And so I'm I'm nattering away at myself and I'm typing and nothing's happening. And this kid walks by and I figured he was the IT guy. You know? <laughs> so I yelled at him, hey kid come on in here kid can you help me with this and then we'd be that was that was in September I think September of 90 September of 94 we've been friends ever since that's amazing uh John our, our time is at the end but if I, I, I need to ask you about one story mm -hmm. uh that Shirali told me to ask you about and this is uh Wayne Gretzky's last game uh and you're you're in you're in a hallway on intercom but you're supposed to be somewhere else. You're supposed, to, you're supposed to be in a truck. Well, so 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 Sorelli was our director, and uh, Paul Graham, who now is uh, you know the, the the biggest executive at TSN in charge of live sports, um, is our producer. And Madison Square Garden is this big animal where your TV mobile is basically five floors below the ice surface, and so with the the, the game starts and you know, you, you know, you're, you're, you're trying to watch television through what they give you in the TV mobile. And I just, I was getting very frustrated because I don't, I didn't think we were telling the stories enough because I didn't think we were seeing the stories. Okay. You know, you, you can only in television, you can only tell the stories what the cameras see. And this was a day where there were VIPs everywhere. There were people milling around. It was it was as much an event as it was a game that Sunday sure. afternoon against the Pittsburgh Penguins. So at about halfway through the first period, I had I was just fit to be tied. Um, and I was being a, I, I was going to be end up being a distraction in the truck. I knew I knew what I knew. I knew I was they weren't going to be able to do their jobs properly if I hung around. So I 
I left the truck and walked up the five floors to the to the ice surface, and we had an extra floor director's headset between the benches. And from from that position, so I was I was literally stationed where announcers now do games, but I was on a floor director's headset, and I could see the whole bowl of the building. I could see people everywhere. Uh, I could see all the VIPs, uh, and you could you could get a much better sense and feel for the game there, not to make decisions because those were Paul's and Shirelli's to make, but to just keep consistently giving them information. Okay. You know, so here I was, I was the executive producer and the, for one of the first jobs I ever had at, at, at hockey night in the late seventies was to be a spotter and to, you know, say, here's, here's who's coming off the ice. Here's going off on the ice. And here I am, you know, April of 1999, 22, 23 years later, doing the same job. <laughs> uh, and it was so satisfying because it worked. Okay. And the amount of people we got on the air, the amount of pictures of the stories we told of Wayne's last game. Yeah. Um, we're just, it was a, it was an electric day on, in, in so many ways. Uh, and I still, I still remember, you know, the, the thing it's the things you remember Wayne coming off the ice as he's to go to the room and he turns and, and you can see, I, I've checked the video. You can see it on the screen. He, he, he turns and says, hey, John, how you doing? As he's leaving the ice. And so you go, hey, that's, you know, so you felt more part of it as well, which was kind of wow. kind of cool. Because I had, I had been covering Wayne since he joined the NHL in 1979. We knew each other. Um, so from that perspective, to be in the building at that moment yeah. was the right decision for the television show for sure. Uh, and, but it was a, a great decision just to be there for a, a spectacular event. And John, um, what you did is, is, was that the beginning of TSN and Sportsnet putting people at the, at the ice level? I don't or? think so. Uh, we had done it the year before at the okay. Olympics in Nagano. Okay. Um, cause we were in charge of a uh, host broadcaster for the, for the first time NHLers. Uh, went to the uh, Winter Olympics, okay. uh, and we had worked with CBS to put Darren Pang between the benches, mm. uh, and so Darren did. Darren really was the first guy to be that third person in the booth, or it was at times second person on the broadcast between the benches. Okay. He was, and it was it was on it was on a network in the United States that we we didn't have a deal with. It was on CBS that year. Wow, that's fantastic. Um, John, thank you so much for spending time with me. I really appreciate it. Uh, I've, I've enjoyed hearing your voice on the radio and, and now on the podcast. Um, and so thanks for, for all the stories that I heard your voice on, uh, on behalf of Canadians who love hockey. Thanks for, uh, for creating the stories that, that we've seen over the years on TV. Hey, there's no need to thank me because this is, hey, hey this is fun i've had fun for a long period of time um and um the highs have been the highs are high make no mistake about it the yeah. highs are high and riding the roller coaster like i've done um you know every once in a while to get knocked down and then to fight back to get back on the high that yeah. might be as much fun as anything that i've ever done because everyone awesome. every every time you know i'm one of those guys that People say I have nine lives. I think I'm in double digits now. So. <laughs>
Well, you keep you keep on on, on bouncing back. The the book is Evolve or Die: Hard Won Lessons from a Hockey Life. The author and my guest has been uh, John Shannon. Uh, pick up this book wherever books are sold. <laughs> Indigo Chapters. Uh, go into your local bookstore and ask for it. Yeah, don't everybody in Windsor go to Richard's bookstore. We'll give Richard a plug. Go to Richard's yes. bookstore in Essex and uh, and buy the book. Or uh, our friends at Amazon have been very good as well. Nice. Have you, has Richard asked you to to come into the store and do a book signing and a book reading? <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, I, he has. I'll, I'll. You, who's your agent, John? You need to. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so there's a lot of people say I don't need an agent. You don't. Some, people, some people say I do it pretty well myself. So. Awesome. Again, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Cheers. Take care. Bye.